Welcome to podcast 204 from the Wiggly Sofa. We're joined today by Jam, the dog, who is lying in front of the fire, chilling out due to exercise yesterday. Toast is not with us because she is lying in her bed. And we have... Farmer Phil. Farmer Phil. It's a very special day today. First of all, it's 12 months exactly since Woolies went bust. Is that right? Poor old Woolies. Woolies. Uh, For those of you that are overseas, Woolies stands for Woolworths. Very famous store that used to sell things for a penny. I think they carried on, so they went bust. (laughs) They had lots of really amazing things that nobody bought, like pick and mix, CDs, DVDs, and ladybird clothes. So, sorry about that, Willis. But the reason it's special today is because it is a birthday day. It's happy birthday to Tina Turner, born in 1939. But really, it's happy birthday to Monty. A teenager. 13 today. Happy birthday, Mont. 26th of November, we're recording this. You'll listen to it afterwards. So I'd like you to know that I've had cake. Very nice indeed. Today's show, we're going to have a farm cast today. We're going out with Farmer Phil once again to see the cows. And you won't believe this, but you're going to find out lots of new stuff. I didn't know there was so much to say about a cow, Phil. Well, now you know how much I have to study to do my job. First of all, our Rach has had some feedback in from Helen Stolman. And she's in Guatemala. Hello, Helen. Hi, Rachel, and everyone else from the Programmo. (laughs) I've been listening to the podcast for several months, and I really enjoy it. I don't always understand everything, though. In fact, during the whole discussion of set-asides, I kept wondering what setters are and why (laughs) people use set-asides to kill them. (laughs) Eventually, it dawned on me that it refers to non-use requirements for farmers. I also enjoyed episode 200, Quiz Show, although I wish you had shown us the flower ones. No, you don't, Helen. <laughs> thanks. Well, very good. Thanks for an enjoyable and informative podcast. I've been trying to find a source of composting worms here so that I can start worm composting. Isn't that great? That's brilliant. Guatemala, that's a long way away from here, isn't it? Yeah, and do you know how you say greetings in Guatemalan? No, I'll let you enlighten us. Saludos. Excellent. And here's the next one in, Farmer Phil. And this is from Terry Anderson, and she is in Calgary. Farmer Phil, I'm a regular listener of your wonderful podcast. Well, put a review up, love. Could you do that? It's all very well, but, you know, we need reviews. True. Though I have not been motivated to send you a note till now. I'm very sorry about this, but that's the way life goes. First, I'd like to say how much I really love the podcast. I'm just a city girl based in Calgary, Canada, with mostly unattainable country dreams, fueled more than a little bit by you and your crew. Though I enjoy everyone's contributions, I really love your farm-grown perspective on all things. What about me? What about me? (laughs) I've learned more about the local farm industry by listening to your troubles (laughs) and then Googling the Canadian equivalents than I ever learned at school. 
It's a bit sad really as so much of our inhabitable land around here is farmland. I am smack dab in the middle of the breadbasket of North America. What's the breadbasket mean? So it's where all the wheat grown, so the three big wheat growing states of Canada, Canada, Canada are Saskatchewan, Alberta and and the third one is... Manitoba. Manitoba. Bring it on, geography lesson. Why is their bread so rubbish then? Well, they don't bake it the same as we do, but they grow the best bread-making wheat in the world. Anyway. The Australians I... might have something to say about that comment. <laughs> Here we go. I had no idea that cows get TB, or that two years ago a huge number of local cattle were destroyed due to an outbreak. And that's just the most recent of my discoveries. Listening to Wiggly Wigglers is downright inspirational and is the joy of my Monday morning at work. I installed a podcatcher specifically so I could subscribe. Though the talk of things growing in February just depresses me, there's only icicles growing around here at that time, my only regret is I hear about all these wonderful fun things Wiggly Wigglers sell and think they would never let that through customs. We could try. We could try. <laughs> they nearly didn't let me and Monty through customs. Quite. Maybe I can at least buy a pair of socks, though, even if the conversion of the Canadian dollar to the British pound makes me cringe just a little. Anyway, the final prompt for this email is that I have a question that might seem a bit silly to you folks, but I'm horribly curious about it. I was wondering, what exactly do you mean by a buzzard? See... I have real trouble when you talk about native plants and animals. If they were never brought and naturalised over here, I haven't the foggiest idea what you mean. To make it worse, I'm way out west, so have such a different climate, even many of the naturalised species just can't live in these parts. Normally, I simply Google the answers, which I did successfully on a few bird songs you mentioned once, but as it turns out, there are many, many, many birds referred to as buzzards. That's a little dream from Jam. Some of which are in the same family as hawks over here and some of which aren't. Since you never modified the name, I suspect you mean the common buzzard, but I don't know. Honestly, if Wikipedia didn't have a picture of a common buzzard, even that would mean nothing to me too. But it's the starting place. So, with the failure of Google, or perhaps the Googler, I would really love to know what the answer to this is. I've always liked raptors, being one of the few animals that can live in a city, so long as it has parks. Keep up the great wiggly work. Best of luck and fortune with your endeavours. I hope the cows make it through the winter well. Say hello to the rest of the folks on the wiggly sofa. If you would, sincerely, Terry Anderson. Oh, that's nice. It is, and I, I sent her some links to indicate that it was indeed the common buzzard that I was on about, and some photos so that she could work out what it was that we were on about. Brilliant. And hello to Gabe. Turns out that Gabe, Gabriel Croning, Monty's mate, is at his school and is a Wiggly fan. Hello, Gabriel. Listen, let's go out to the cows because I want to find out all about their breakfast. I have porridge. What do they have? Good morning, Farmer Phil. Good morning, wifely one. <laughs> and what are we off to do today? Well, just for a change, I thought we'd go and feed the cattle. Right. Oh. 
need to add sighting trips up. Okay, so what is this building? We're in the Wiggly Bagging Shed, but this is also where we mill up the cattle feed. What's mill up the Well, our cattle in the wintertime have two main sources of food. They have their hard food, which is rolled or milled barley mixed with various ingredients, and then they have the grass seed straw, which they can have as much as they like of. So that the hard food, we weigh out how much they have each... Right. And give it to them morning and evening. So that's what we'll do here. So what am I looking at in this bin? You're looking at here. This is where the barley is tipped out of the trailer to go up into the roller mill. And then it's weighed up into there, so we do a ton at each mix. Again, it's a bit like cake making. So we'll add to that sugar beet shreds, soya meal, minerals. Soya? Yeah. Soya from where? It's from probably from America. So that's not very good. Why are you doing that then? Because it's vegetable protein and it's the only way we can get it really. What's the alternative? Well, um, my dad used to feed fish meal. Well, that's an alternative, but, but since BSC it's been banned, but it is actually a fantastic <laughs> feed because of the oil content. You know, right. They really made them bloom and their coats were fantastic, but uh, you know, the BSC regulations ruled out using it. So, where do they get their protein from in the summer months then? Well, grass has protein in it, not much, but it does have protein in it. Um, but, you know, from our point of view, we want to feed them protein in the winter months so that they can grow, either in the case of the cows, so the calves grow within them, yeah. they use protein for that, or in the case of young stock, so that they just grow full stop. So is this your crop in yeah. here? So your we, crops of what? We grow, it's mostly barley we use as the starting point. There is a little bit of wheat in it, but that's only leftover bits and pieces. But essentially we roll barley, which we grow ourselves, and then we add sugar beet shreds. So that's sweet sugar for energy. And that's the residue from extracting sugar from sugar beet. We use soya meal, which is vegetable protein. And then we use minerals, which are what they say they are, and there's also a protein equivalent in them, which is based on urea, which gives them extra protein. How do you know how, what to add of what? We work it out with a nutritionist originally, so you get the balance, and the idea is that you know how many minerals they should receive every day, so you work that out against the quantity of meal you feed them. Why can't you do that for me then, and then I could be thin? Well, I do, but the answer is usually less. <laughs> so why does the barley need to be milled? Because it's or got, rolled? Because it's got a hard kernel coat to it. You have to split it to allow the cattle to digest the insides, which is the carbohydrate. Ah, so it's like me having oats for breakfast. I yeah. have porridge oats because they soak up the water it's and they... Exactly the same. So the, the flour in the middle, just like the wheat flour but barley, that's the carbohydrate, that's where the energy is. Okay, so get your bag. So I've got my bag. So how much are you adding? Ah, well, that, see, I, I know that I want for that bunch of heckles that we're going to feed, I want roughly £24. I'm not metricated oh, in my cattle. God. So we lay it on the scale, like that. How many cattle are there? In the heifer's case, there are 12 of them. So they have £2 each every morning. And evening. That doesn't sound like much. No, it's not much. They don't need much. And they get ad-lib, oh. pay and straw. 
So because we've added quite a lot of protein to the mix, it works out at about between 16 and 18% protein. Why don't you put less protein in, therefore not have to import soya, and let them eat more in the day? Ah, that's because the barley doesn't have the right ratio of protein, so then you'll get too much carbohydrate and they get fat. Right, so, so this is if I eat too I'm many not, chips. I'm, yeah, I'm not aiming to fatten them. I want them to grow, and I want them to have enough energy to exist happily, right. but I don't want them to get over fat, particularly not the cows. Here they are. So they're matching black heifers. So, so that's these are our follower heifers. So What's follower? Well, they're heifers that we've bred, so we'll Hang keep on. these to be cows. Yeah. So these are all Aberdeen Angus crosses by Penguin. They're lovely, aren't they? And they're hungry. Right, here we go then. So we're putting their feed in the trough. Go on. All the way along. So they're going to have a fight. Oh no, there's one with a white face. Ah, but she's a bit special. Right. Because she is Aberdeen Angus Cross, but her mother is 55, who has been a fabulous cow, and still is just, although I don't think she's in calf at the moment. But she was the one that you might remember, she got bitten by a snake years oh, ago. Oh yeah. And then she had twins and all the rest of it. And when I saw that I got an Angus calf out of her, I couldn't resist it. I thought, we'll keep her because she's such a good cow. It's a Hereford Frisian cow, so it got the right breeding. And so I thought, I'll keep her. She's got, uh, hang on, if I've got my iPhone, I'll take a photo and I'll put a photo of her up on the blog because there's these matching Angus black cows. Perfect. And there's one with a white face and a black eye. So I'll just take a photo. So there we are. Let's see. So they're stood, I mean, they've got a lovely barn. What's on the floor? They've got pee hole on the floor to sit on. They like that because they hunt through it for the peas. So or that's what goats it. like? Yeah, they goats like it as well. Okay, so they hunt for the peas, but you don't want to eat off the floor though, do you? Yeah, but it, enter okay? it entertains them rooting through it when it's we've freshly littered them. I see, and then in the Grass manger, and so they've got as much of that as they like. Yeah. So, remember last year when you had the bit of a mistake yeah. on the amount of rations, etc.? Well, what we failed to do last year was we didn't allow enough. So, we, we, we would up the meal, the hard food content, if we think that the quantity of energy in the hay is low. Right. Now, last year we did up the meal, but we didn't up it enough. What we couldn't know was that they were eating enough because we weighed how much grass seed straw they were eating we knew they were eating 20 kilos a day and we put the figures in as if it was the worst wheat straw in yeah. terms of energy and decided that that would be enough and it wasn't see when i have my porridge for breakfast it is rubbish if there isn't any water or milk to mix up with it you know it needs to be yeah but you don't quite have the quantity of slobber that these do i see because it looks a pretty dry old job, this. But they love it. Right. And won't the bigger ones be able to eat more? Because they can A little just... bit. 
but in here this is actually a mixed bunch so there are four of them are a year older than the rest of them that one's a year old yeah. isn't it so the, they will have a little bit more compared to the others but that's probably fair because they need a bit more right but we will probably split them up again in a little while and the idea is that you try and group your cattle according to what they need to do so in our case we'll have cows in calf cows not in calf heifers of different ages and then we'll probably have a TLC bunch so that ones that are a bit old or a bit weak for whatever reason will have a bunch on their own and they'll have extra food to compensate or to try and you know help them recover from whatever ails them. thing is it's it's a reasonable day it's very wet outside but the door is shut yeah so you know, these cattle are just, they're not free range. You know, I was looking at the pig man and uh, on the telly the other night and I loved his definition of free range, which is they have choice. And the important thing with his pigs is they can go in, they can go out. They can lie on straw or they can eat. Yeah. They can do what they like. Now, these cattle haven't got that choice because no. the door's shut. Why don't you open the door? Well, there's two reasons. One, that for most of the winter time, they would choose to be in here. Ah, uh, but... And also, we don't want to wreck the field. Right. So if we ruin the field with them going out on it, you know, if you have a sunny winter's morning, it'll still be wet underfoot. So they'll chew the field up, so then there'll be no grass for the summer. So if it was a beautiful, frosty day, would you let them out? Well... You might. I mean, when we have cows and calves, if it's a nice sunny day, then we would let them out. No, because, not them, these. But no, because they'd still ruin the field. Right. And also, if you let them out, they expect to come out all the time. Yeah. If I open the door now, they'd charge out there just to go <laughs> and remind themselves that it's wet. They'd gallop round the field, chew yeah. it all up, then they'd come back in here to eat because the, the grass doesn't... There's no sweetness to the grass at this time of year, so yeah. you don't want to eat that. And so it's just a pointless exercise. But you are right that what is important is that if you have them shut in a yard, you have to have the atmosphere right. Because if, if you let it get too claggy in here, too, you know, misty, moist in the atmosphere, then you start to run into problems. They've got to have fresh air and plenty of it. And it so is lovely in here, I've got to say that. I mean, we've got 12 animals. I don't know how big the barn is, but how many could you have in here? I wouldn't have more than 12 cows in this yard. Right. But there, there, are, there, there is a standard way of working it out. The, the, the yard, if you have a feeding barrier like this, so you can see they're all in a line along the feeding barrier, the yard that goes with it must be at least 34 feet wide to give them enough space to lie down in. I now, see. in this case, it's more than that because we've got the round feeder in the middle, which uses up a little bit of space. Yeah. But essentially, it's obvious whether they're comfortable or not. Yeah. If you've got to keep putting litter in here too often, if they get too dirty, then you've got too many cattle in here. And what is that uh, noise? Ah, oh, that's drying the cashy. Ah, that, that's the fan, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Do they mind that? No. And why don't you have the radio on for them? Because I saw that dairy farmers have the radio on and they reckon it's for the cows, not the people. I think that in, in a dairying uh, way, so that when you put them through the parlour, that the cattle like having the radio on while they're being milked and while they're 
suffering the sort of disturbance, if you like, of going through the parlour. Um, some people think in terms of having the radio on when they're in their cubicle shed, but these cattle, most of their yards, they can see what's going on out of them and that's what interests them. They'll look out and see you going by and seeing what's going on. Yeah. But um, for, for most cattle, all they're interested in, they have to eat a lot of the day. And when they're not eating, they're chewing the cud. Yeah. So it's quite a steady existence, but they're not unhappy. And uh, I like all their hairdos. They've got a fringe. Yeah. And each of them have got a pair of earrings. Yeah. Remind us of what each tag does, because so each in America you can't actually trace the meat back to the farm, no. can you? So if you look, each animal's got three ear tags in it. Two of them are the official ministry identity, which is a unique number that goes with that animal. So that's the silver one, is it? The silver one is, says that, and one of the yellow ones does. Right. And that unique number will tell the reader of it two things. It will tell them which country it was bred in, it will tell them which farm it came from, and it will identify that individual animal in that order. So in our case, that particular one there will be UK 316-619, and then its own number is 200-910. Yeah. So the UK bit's obvious. Our number, 312619, or whatever I said, 312619 is ours. That's this farm. And its number is 200910. Yeah. Well, the 910 is the important bit. That's its unique number. And the 200 is a coding device, which means that it's very difficult to fabricate the number. And it's number 98. Yep, that tells you that its mother is number 98. I think. And on that tag as well, you can see that her birthday was the 24th of January. Oh, wow. And on the other side... a lovely time next month. The other side will tell you that her dad is penguin. Oh, well, very good. And 98 is an MRI cow, so that that's actually... Most of these are out of MRI cows... The idea being that we get the benefit of the milkiness of them and the hardiness of the Angus. Well, I reckon we've been in here, what, five minutes, a little bit more? And they're just licking up the last bits of their breakfast. They do like that. Um, does the how long it takes to eat give you an indication of whether you've got it right? The most important aspect when you feed them is noticing whether they come to the feed in the order you expect them to and whether they all come straight to the food. Right. If one of them doesn't come to feed straight away, and she normally is, it's a fair bet that something's changed. And if the order changes... The pecking order. You know, so if one that was at the front suddenly comes to the back, then you might expect that all is not quite as it should be. So is there a dominant animal in this group? In this group, it's a bit fluid. They haven't been in here very long, but the dominant ones will probably be the big ones. Yeah. And the white-faced one, because she's the smallest one, was the smallest. And she was at the furthest end. Yeah, but interestingly, she's probably the sharpest, because you noticed that yes. she wasn't, there was nobody next to her, so she got access to more meal. I saw that. And I it, thought, hmm, they've all crushed up this end, 
and really there's loads more at this exactly. end. Exactly, and you'll have amongst the cows, you'll have in the middle range of cows, so the sort of nondescript, you'll have ones that suddenly work out that they're actually better off to go to the end of the queue, and it's, it's quite funny watching them work it out. They're quite varied, aren't they? In what respect? Right, in personality. Totally. Some of them have come up to us and want to have a chat, and some of them are like, I don't think so. Mm. And this one has got an enormous tongue and is licking the whole place up. They're quite... Well, they're very characterful. They're like people. They, you have quiet ones, you have noisy ones, you've got bright ones, you've got stupid ones. And the water trough, obviously, is really important. Absolutely crucial. Yeah, one of the things you quite rightly said that you'd want a bit of lubrication with this meal and you're dead right the cows more than these once they've finished their meal they'll all go and have a drink yeah and they wash it down brilliant anyway we're back in the warm now and i've had my breakfast porridge cake yeah <laughs> farmer phil those cows out there have caused a bit of an issue over the past week I did discover a slight aberration on my part because when every calf is born, we are bound by law to allocate it a number and register it with the centralised cattle movement service. So all about those tags? Yeah, the tags that we mentioned. It's a case of telling them the breeding of that animal and getting its details registered on their database and then they will send me a passport, which is a, a checkbook-like document that goes with that cow or calf. And I do this online, as they want me to do it. And so when I enter the details of the calf on my computer, on my system, I register it online with their computer on their system at the same time. And basically, I had not been checking my passports as I'd received them in the post, because that's very boring and I've had enough of that. So that when I come to wean the calves, I check the passports and I found five that hadn't got one. <laughs> and... Um, the five were all one group. I could find my own printout that showed that I'd dealt with those five animals as one group. But, of course, I can't prove that I registered them online and it didn't work. The upshot is that I then have to set about registering them. But, of course, there are deadlines involved with our beloved uh, DEFRA-funded mechanisms. Well, that is fair enough. What's the difference between te me telling them who its mother is when it's seven days old and me telling them the same information when it's seven months old? Well, what's the difference if you just wait until they're all dead and then tell them after? Well, I have the paperwork to back up my thing. But anyway, rules uh, is rules. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I have mother and calf, and so that's fine. But essentially, I now, to have... A, I can't move the calf off the farm and it can't go into the food chain without a passport. So as of this moment, I have five calves who I can either use for breeding, in the case of three of them, which are heifers, but I don't want to because they're not the right breeding, and I've got two male calves, and the only place they can go as of today is the hunt kennels or the knacker yard, which seems something of a waste. The way out of this is to have their mothers and themselves DNA tested, and they will then give me a passport. Why don't they just believe you? There must be more to this. What they're worried about, yeah. what they're trying to track is BSE. So if a cow gets found with BSE when it's killed and inspected, and they're still inspecting every spinal cord at the point of slaughter for BSE, so if they find one, they want to be able to trace its cohorts. 
Now, if I give them the wrong mother with the wrong calf, that spoils that chain of research, if you like, so that they would go down the wrong track. And so DNA testing is going to take place? DNA testing, so five mothers, five calves. What do you have to do? Get them to lick a piece of... You take a sample from them. I suspect it'll be a blood sample, but I think it could be a hair sample. Mm -hmm. It will be done by the vet, and it costs £30 plus the VAT for each sample, so £60 plus the VAT for each mother-child combination. And then I then send the evidence that that gives me back to the cattle movement service, and they say, there you are, Farmer Phil, you can have a passport. So uh, are you mistrusted before you start? Well, I'm a criminal before I start, aren't I? I mean, that's the whole ethos of DEFRA and how they govern farming. I am in the wrong before I can prove myself innocent. I did enjoy your talk at last week's National Farm Conference, (laughs) which came up on the screen as a gorgeous view of Lower Blakemere Farm. What was your start? My, my question that went with that view of Lower Blakemere was, is this the scene of multiple crimes? And then there was a picture of you with your farmer film mug. And the question that went with that was, is this a mug shot of an habitual criminal? <laughs> and the thing that really tickled me was that you're on the same billing and the same panel afterwards as Pam from the Environment Agency. Yeah. Well, that's right. Well, it fitted quite well because my talk was basically on the fact that the aims of regulation are quite good in as much that nobody would argue with the fact that you want clean rivers and a nice environment, but the effects of regulation are on the whole bad because of how the regulation is, so that the farmer is criminalised and is grumpy and the perception of all regulation is that it's all bad because it's either over-onerous or over-expensive And that's the conundrum that we've got. Most farmers, when they think about it, would agree that the aims of the regulation are not far different from their own aims. It's the effects of it which seemed so bad. And then, of course, you add the cost of it. But Pam gave a great presentation. She actually said that my talk would modify how she thought about enforcing and dealing with with the regulation that they as the Environment Agency came up with. And I thought, well, that is very pleasing because that's what I set out to do. I want them to realise that the effects of their regulation are not entirely what they want them to be. Okay, what did the cow say when she got up in the morning? I don't know. What did the cow say when she got up in the morning? (laughs) It's just another day. Oh, dear. (laughs) Listen, this is amazing. We've got live tweeting coming in as we record the show because I put a tweet out saying just about to record podcast 2004. And so far we've got Megan who says, Woot, that must be one one of those. Say hi to everyone for me. We have MLTP and they say, Wiggled, that's me. Hope you are back this week. I think the boys are enjoying themselves too much. We need female input. And here we have no Tim... sexism there, then. <laughs> and here we have Tim Teague. Don't forget to mention the campaign for the farmed environment. Well, Tim, we are not going to mention that because that is on next week's show. Let's go to Monty for a weekly fact on wiggliness. The Montycast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. My mum met Princess Anne last week 
and talked about worms. Another Montycast next week. Anyway, MLFP is Ira Edwards and she's got a farm in South Wales called Lakeside Farm Park. Hello. It's great on Twitter, you know. And now let me see. June says, Podcast 200 needs to be listened to whilst wearing nappies. <laughs> a lot of pant wetting. So if you've not tuned into Podcast 200, then have a go. Did I need that level of information or not? <laughs> Possibly not. Thing is, next week we're going behind the scene at Wiggly Wigglers where we've got Noel is up to lots of things with carrots Ooh, and bran. And we've got Nicole and we've got Karen taking Christmas orders. So if you want to place a Christmas order, there's one thing I would recommend in this week's show and that is our cow lick cards. Because if you think that you like cows, there's no better photo than Mark Eccleston's cow just about to eat a dandelion and they're made into cards. So there's my wiggly suggestion of the week. I could have gone for a shredder at £350, but no, I've gone for a card at £2. Who says this isn't a selling podcast? It's buy from me on Tina Turner and Monty Gorange's birthday. And buy from me, Farmer Phil. If you want to review our podcast, go to iTunes and please pop us up a review. It does cheer us up, you know. It's nice having emails, but a review is even better because other people see it too and blah, blah, blah. Bye. Bye. Bye.